If you have your Bibles, open to Luke chapter 12. I'm going to basically finish the sermon I did two weeks ago um, where I left off verses 33 and 34 of chapter 12 of Luke. So if you have your Bibles there, turn to Luke chapter 12, verses 32 through 34. And I want to read that as we begin, and then um, we will jump into the text of the sermon. So this is, I'm going to read verses 22 through 34. So if, you, if you're there, say amen. If you're not there, say hold on. Okay, just a few of you. All right, so um, Luke chapter 12, beginning in verse 22. This is what I preached two Sundays ago. It says, and Jesus said to his disciples, this is important, he's speaking to his disciples. He says, therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat, nor about your body, what you will put on. For life is more than food, and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They neither sow nor reap. They have neither storehouse nor barn, and yet God feeds them. Of how much more value are you than the birds? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his lifespan? If then you are not able to do as small a thing as that, why are you anxious about the rest? Consider the lilies, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin, yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass, which is alive in the field today, and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, how much more will he clothe you, O you of little faith? And do not seek what you are to eat and what you are to drink, nor be worried. For all the nations of the world seek after these things, and your Father knows that you need them. Instead, seek his kingdom, and these things will be added to you. Fear not, little flock. It is your father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the needy. Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is... There will your heart be also. May the Lord add a blessing to the reading of his word. Now, what I'm, what I'm, my, top, my title this morning is Living with Kingdom Perspective and Kingdom Priorities. All of, that, all of us need that in our lives. We need to see the world the way Jesus wants us to see the world. And we need to live for the purposes for which Jesus has commanded us to live. Now, when Jesus began his public ministry, we need to go back to the beginning of Jesus' public ministry. When Jesus began his public ministry, after he was baptized by John, the first words recorded in the Gospel of Mark are these. Jesus says, the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand, repent and believe the gospel. That's the message Jesus preached all over as he went from town to town. Hear those words again. The time is fulfilled. The kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe the gospel. Jesus commands us to repent and believe the gospel because the kingdom of God has been inaugurated with him. Now, for those that might not know, this is what the kingdom of God is. If you read through the New Testament, this is the basic definition. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of Jesus in the hearts of his people. 
Think about that for a second. The kingdom of God is the rule and reign of God in the hearts of His people. So wherever Jesus' people meet, where Jesus rules supreme in their heart, the kingdom of God is present. Wherever Jesus rules over His people, the kingdom of God is present because the King is present. That's the point. So every church, when we gather here every Sunday morning, every church is intended to be an outpost of God's kingdom. It's a place where the future reality of Jesus' eternal rule breaks into the present and is made visible to all who are there. This is why we are to be a manifestation of God's eternal future kingdom right now. So uh, theologians call this the already but not yet kingdom. It's already here through Jesus ruling in the hearts of His people, but it's not yet here because Jesus is yet to return again. But when He returns, that future reality will be made real. That future truth will be made present reality. And so, if you look back at verse 32, look at what Jesus says about the kingdom of God to His people. He says, fear not, little flock. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you this kingdom. Now, in this context, it's important um, that Jesus is saying, it is, you, you belong to the Father, and the Father is going to give this to you not based on what you have or what you don't have. It's not based on whether you have a lot or whether, you, whether it's based on you have a little. The point is, Jesus, it's the Father's good pleasure. He delights to give His children the kingdom by His grace. This kingdom is experienced and entered into through coming into a relationship with Jesus. Right after all, when Jesus met with Nicodemus in John chapter 3, Nicodemus says, we know that you're a good teacher. And Jesus says, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Unless you were born again, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. Unless you've come to a relationship with Jesus by faith and have become a disciple then you cannot see the kingdom or enter into the kingdom. And so the kingdom is for us. And it's for us to take and spread to the ends of the earth for the glory of Jesus. But it's the Father's good pleasure to give us the gospel based on His grace. We receive it not because we've earned it, not because we deserve it, not because we've sought it, not because we've been baptized, not because we've walked an aisle, not because we've had some experience. We receive the kingdom by the grace of Jesus based on faith in His name. And here's Jesus' point here. If you have nothing, don't, if, you're like the ravens of the, if you're like the ravens of the sky and you're like the lilies of the field and you have nothing to your name, it's okay. The kingdom isn't based on the things you have or don't have. The Father still gives the kingdom to all as a gift by faith in Jesus. Now that's the gospel. Now I have to say all of that because everything else in verses 33 and 34 are based on that one gospel truth. Okay? Fear not, little flock. It's the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. There's, that's why you don't have to be anxious. That's why you don't have to worry because the Father's going to give you the kingdom. And it's, not, it's, it's an already here kingdom, but one that's also coming. All right, now let's look now that I've laid the foundation, the introduction. Three things from verses 33 and 34. All based on the truth of verse 32. Here it is, point number one. 
Because the Father gives us the kingdom by His grace, that's going to be the beginning of all of my points because we have to understand this in the light of verse 32. Because the Father gives us the kingdom by His grace, we have open hands towards our possessions for the good of others. Look there at verse 32 and 33. Notice what Jesus says again. I'm going to reiterate this over and over again. It's in Jesus, um, there it says, Fear not, little flock. That's his disciples. That's us. Fear not, little flock, for it is your Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. In light of that truth, Jesus says, Sell your possessions and give to the needy. So, Open hands towards our possessions, towards others. Not closed-handed, closed-fisted, greedy, hold on to everything. This is a kingdom ethic here. Jesus says, in my kingdom, my followers will have these kinds of hands. Not these kinds of hands. These kinds of hands, open-handed givers, not closed-fisted keepers. Okay, now the reason we can do this is because Jesus has already told us that our lives do not consist of our possessions, right? We, we look at the parable of the rich fool, right? Just a, few, just a few paragraphs earlier, we have this rich fool who wants to live his life in comfort and pleasure with no regard towards God or his kingdom. And Jesus says, you fool, tonight your soul is required of you. And these things you've accumulated, whose will they be? The point is, he lived as though he did not have any responsibility towards God. And Jesus says this as a response. Take care and be on your guard against all covetousness. Greediness. Cling to itness. Jesus says, be on your guard against all covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of his possessions. And then he tells his disciples back in verses 22 and 23, do not be anxious about your life, about what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll put on, for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Hear Jesus' point. Our life is more than our possessions because our life was made for something different. Life was made for fellowship and relationship with God. This is the reason for which you were created. You were created to know God, delight in God, enjoy God, walk with God, fellowship with Him. And so our body is made to be used for His glory, for His purposes. So this is a kingdom ethic of Jesus' people. Because you belong to Jesus, if that's the thing, if you're here and you say, I'm a disciple, I belong to Jesus, if you belong to Jesus and you belong to his kingdom, in light of that truth, you can now release your hold on the temporary things of this world. That means that you can be generous and open-handed towards others like your father has been towards you. Your father, fear not, little flock, it is the father's good pleasure to open-handedly give you the kingdom. So in light of that, be like Him. Don't close-fisted hold on to everything. And so the point is, you don't have to cling to your possessions or allow your possessions to cling to you and control you. Um, one of my favorite C.S. Lewis quotes deals with this very issue. It says this, 
C.S. Lewis says this, Prosperity knits a man to the world. Knits. Knits a man to the world. Possessions knit you to the world. He feels he is finding his place in it when really it is finding its place in him. So you think because you have possessions, you have a hold of this world, but really what C.S. Lewis is saying, no, 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 it's the world who has a hold of you. That's what's happening. And then he says, he goes on to say, his increasing reputation, his widening circle of acquaintances, his sense of importance, the growing pressure of absorbing and agreeable work, build up in him a sense of being really at home in the earth. It makes you feel, that's one of the things, that's one of the dangers of prosperity and possessions is they give you this sense that you really belong here. That this is really home. That this is really what you were made for. And that's just not true. Adversity, I want to be, I want to admittedly say adversity can be really dangerous to our spiritual life. There are a lot of people who go through really hard times and go through really tough times and it really adversely affects their spirituality. But I would say in our Western culture in America that it is prosperity that is much more dangerous. As I've traveled the world and I've been to very poor places like Venezuela and Honduras and Jamaica, I have found that brothers and sisters there in Christ are much freer and much happier, not because they have so much more, it's because they know what it means to walk with Jesus dependently by faith day by day. What tends to happen in our lives is that when we, when we have plenty, we naturally move towards independence and pride. And both of those things are incredibly destructive to our spiritual health. They, tell, they teach us that we don't need God. We can do this for ourselves. Now, let me add a caveat here. Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the needy. That's what Jesus says. Let me add a caveat. Jesus isn't saying that you should sell all of your possessions and give all of it away so that you don't own anything. Let me just point, say it as plainly as I can. The only way to sell something is to own it first. The only way to give something away is to actually own it in the first place, right? I can't give away food to the needy if I don't own it first. I can't give away a coat to the homeless if I don't own it first. So Jesus isn't speaking some weird communist nonsense. What Jesus is saying here is that if you, that you, have, to, if you have to buy it, sell it, and then give it away. So if you sell something you do not own, that is called theft. So let's don't do that. Or if you're in the stock market, it's called short selling. Oh, no stock market folks in here. Okay, just so you know. Jesus' point is that one way we keep our possessions from controlling us, one of the ways to keep our possessions from controlling us is to use them for God's glory and the good of others, to be open-handed and generous. And here's the point. The more generous you are, the less greedy you can be. The more generous and open-handed you are, the less this world has a hold of you because you realize that God's purposes are not to consume and gather all that we can. You know, get, get, get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. That's the, mantra of the, uh, that's, the, that's the mantra of the American way. Get all you can, can all you get, and then sit on the lid. 
And Jesus says, no, those in my kingdom, open-handed. Open-handed. This is how we are loving, generous, and hospitable towards our church family, towards the people of our community, towards our neighbors. And it should show up because we've received a better kingdom. Second, because the Father has given us the kingdom by His grace, because the Father has given us the kingdom by His grace, we live for eternal treasure. So we're open-handed because we're living for something better. Look at the end of verse 33. Jesus says, Provide yourselves with money bags that do not grow old, with a treasure in the heavens that does not fail, where no thief approaches and no moth destroys. Jesus says here that we should lay up eternal treasures in heaven rather than temporary treasures here. That's the comparison. Notice the comparison Jesus is making. We can either choose treasures that fail, choose treasure, meaning those things that are subject to theft, those things that are subject to depreciation or destruction, or we can lay up treasures by seeking Christ's kingdom and live first and foremost for His purposes and glory. Now, you might not know this, but Jesus speaks this way all over the New Testament. He says all over the New Testament, if you're going to have treasures, make sure they are heavenly treasures. Seek the treasures of heaven. Listen to Matthew 13 when Jesus talks about the kingdom of God being our treasure. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys that field. Now, why would anybody do that? Think about that for a second. You walk through a field, you find a treasure there, and you realize that that treasure in that field is more valuable than everything else you own. So you go home and you tell the wife or the husband, hey, 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 I got an idea. We're about to sell everything we have, and we're about to buy that little piece of land over there. And your spouse is like, that's nuts. That's nuts. We're not doing that. And you're like, oh, but you don't know what's buried there. There's a treasure in that field that is more valuable than anything else we've ever had. It is not, it is not unwise to sell everything to buy the field. It is absolute lunacy to keep what we have and give up what's in that field. And Jesus' point is, that's what the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom is more valuable than anything else there is. And then Jesus tells a second parable. In case you miss what that means, he says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant in search of fine pearls, who on finding one pearl of great value, went and sold all that he had and bought it. Think about that. A merchant. He's got a company. He's got ships. He's got docks. He's got all of these things, and he's in this pearl business. And when he finds this one, he says, it's more valuable than everything else I own. And I would be a fool to keep my boats, keep my ships, keep everything I have, and give up this one pearl. Jesus says that's what the kingdom is like. So if we're going to have a kingdom ethic and a kingdom identity, it begins with seeing the kingdom as the primary, our, our lives in light of living for, for Jesus and his kingdom. But Jesus says this again in Matthew 6. Not only uh, the kingdom is our treasure, but he says that when we live for the, live for the kingdom... We store up treasures in heaven. He says this in Matthew 6, 19. He says, Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. 
but lay up treasures for yourselves in heaven, where neither rust nor moth destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. And then Jesus adds this, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God in money. And then Jesus says in Luke 18, 22, with the, parable of the, of the, uh, with the parable of the rich young ruler who turns and walks away from Jesus, and Jesus tells him, he says, one thing you still lack. The man says, what should I do to inherit eternal life? And Jesus says this, one thing you still lack, sell all that you have and distribute to the poor, and you will have treasure in heaven. Jesus' point is that we live for eternity. We don't live um, for temporary earthly treasures. So, here it is. This is the motive behind living sacrificially for Christ's kingdom. This is the motive. I don't want treasures here. I want treasures in heaven. We are to live for eternity now. We demonstrate, we're to, let me say it this way, we're to live in such a way now that it brings eternity into view for everyone around us. So for those that belong to Jesus, it should be clear in our lives that we are living with eternity in view. That means we live differently than the world around us. Sure, we still pay our bills, we still save money, we're still good stewards, we still do those things. But that is not the primary driving force of our lives because we know that we are living for eternity. The old saying is this, the one who dies with the most toys wins. That's the opposite of a biblical ethic. The biblical ethic is we live to hear, well done, good and faithful servant. Not well done, good and faithful, you manage to be Jeff Bezos and make a billion dollars. That's not the point. Now if you do... Amen to that. Make the money and use it for God's kingdom. But that is the point here. As after all, what did Job say? Job said, naked I came from my mother's womb and naked I shall return. You brought nothing into this world and you will not take anything out of it. So we live for eternity. Eternity is a long time to be wrong. We live because Jesus has given us the kingdom we live for eternal treasures. And third and finally, because the Father has given us the kingdom by His grace, we treasure Jesus now and forever above all else. This is the point. This is the point. Because of the kingdom, we can live open-handed. My possessions don't control me. I can use them for the good of others and for the glory of God. And because I belong in the kingdom, I know that I'm living for eternity, not just this world. And finally, because the Father's given us the kingdom by His grace, we treasure Jesus. Look what Jesus says in verse 34. He says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. We call this the treasure principle. Notice the order that Jesus places these words in. Notice the order, it's critical. Jesus says, for where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. He says that your heart is wherever your treasure is. Not wherever your treasure... He doesn't say it the opposite way. So he says that your heart is wherever your treasure is. Your heart will be found in whatever you treasure and value most. Your heart follows its treasure. That's what happens in our lives. 
You cannot hide what you treasure. Just think about it in your life, all of the things that you hold most valuable. You can't hide those things. You can't help but speak of them. You can't help but delight in them. You can't help but make them known to others. You can't help but share them as an evangel- being an evangelist for them in your lives. If you treasure golf, your heart will be found there and you will talk about it. If you treasure baseball, your heart will be there and it will be found there. If you treasure your family, your heart will be found there and it will be seen by all. Replace any of those with anything else. And here is the point. You cannot treasure Jesus and at the same time not live for his name, glory, and kingdom. That's mutually exclusive things, right? You cannot treasure Jesus and not live with generosity and open-handedness towards the needs of others. You cannot treasure Jesus who is the king and not seek the expansion of his kingdom and the fulfillment of his mission to the ends of the earth. That's part of treasuring Jesus. That's what it means. And by the way, this is Paul's exact point in Philippians. If you remember the Apostle Paul, transformed on the road to Damascus as he sees the vision of Jesus. He who had spent his life persecuting followers of the way, standing over the stoning of Stephen, Paul, who was absolutely zealous for the persecution of Christians, he meets Jesus on the road and everything in his life changes. And everything about him becomes oriented towards Jesus and his kingdom. And this is what Paul says in light of that in Philippians 3, one of my favorite scriptures in all the Bible. He says, but whatever gain I had... Whatever possessions, whatever influence, whatever education, whatever property, whatever mental acumen, whatever skills I had, whatever my pedigree is, but whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. You hear that word, surpassing worth, surpassing value? This means that Jesus is the treasure of Paul. And Paul's heart is where his treasure is. He follows Jesus because he treasures Jesus. And he goes on to say, For his sake I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. So, because the Father has given you the kingdom by his grace, You treasure the king. So my question to you is, do you treasure the king? Do you live, because you've received the king and his kingdom, do you live open-handedly? Do you live for eternity? And do you live displaying to the world that the greatest treasures are not my possessions, they're not my position, not my power, not my pleasures, but the greatest thing I have in my life is Christ Jesus. To live is Christ. Everything about me is for His name, fame, and glory to the ends of the earth. I've never met anyone on their deathbed who said, you know what I really wish? I really wish I would have spent more time playing golf. I really wish I would have spent more time in the stock market. No. 
what typically they say is, I wish I would have spent more time living for Jesus and His glory. Because now, in light of all things, it all becomes focused, and I realize that eternity is what is on the horizon for all of us. Now, as I conclude, I want to make just a few points here. Think about this in light of verse 32. Fear not. Don't be afraid. Don't fear the future. Don't fear what's going on around you. Fear not. It is the Father's good pleasure to give you the kingdom. The Father has graciously given us all things in Christ. Amen? Everything the Father has given to us in Christ. He's given us more than His kingdom. He's given us His very Son so that we can be reconciled to Him and enjoy His presence forever. And now, because we belong to Jesus and are united to Him by faith, because our sins are forgiven, because our Father has promised to meet all of our needs and the riches of Christ Jesus, because of all those things, we can live for Jesus. We can seek His kingdom first. As Paul says in Romans 8, He who did not spare His own Son, that's the Father, but delivered Him over for us all, That means the Father sent Jesus to the cross for us. How will He not together with Him freely give us all things? The point is, He will. Because we know the Father has given us the Son, we know that He will meet our daily needs. And all of that is what allows us to live open-handedly and generous. My Father will meet my needs. Here, have this. The Father's going to take care of me. He's promised Everything I have belongs to you. Jesus said if someone demands your cloak, give him everything. If he he demands you to walk one mile, give him two. Because we are dependent upon the Father. He will meet our daily needs. Now some folks say this, and I want to just knock this one down too. Some folks say that 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 person is so heavenly minded that they're of no earthly use. Let me just say that that statement cannot be true in any world whatsoever. Jesus teaches here that those who are the most kingdom-minded, the most heavenly and eternally-minded, are those who do the most good here. They're the ones who realize they 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 can give up their rights, give up their possessions, give up their lives for the good of others because they're living for eternity. Now listen, here is here is one of the most convicting things I hope that you will get today. When faced with the choice Hear me, all of you have to deal with this in your own hearts right now. When faced with the choice of going to heaven or hell, there are no people in their right mind who choose hell. Think about that for a second. When faced with the choice of heaven or hell, there is no one in their right mind who chooses hell. But when faced with the choice of heaven or earth, we much too often choose earth with its temporary comforts and pleasures. That's the question. If you're a believer, it's not a question between heaven and hell anymore. It's a question between heaven and earth. Which one do we live for? That's the question. Now, here's the last thing I'll say before I close. For the gospel, this is what we're talking about, the good news of the gospel, coming into the kingdom by faith, receiving the blessings of Jesus. For the gospel to get to our families, for the gospel to get to our neighbors and to our community all the way to the ends of the earth, It will require Christians living with kingdom perspective and kingdom, um, kingdom, I forgot the title of my own sermon right now, just went right in my head. Kingdom perspective and kingdom priorities. We have to live that way. 
it will require us demonstrating that Jesus is our treasure. So my question is, is that true of your life? First, do you know Jesus? Have you entered into his kingdom by repentance and faith and become part of his family? Has Jesus freed you from living for yourself? Has he freed you from your sins and given you a new heart and new life? If not, come to Jesus in repentance and faith and receive forgiveness in his name and change the entire trajectory and purpose of your life that I no longer live for me but for Christ. And secondly, if you're a Christian, is this, does this show up? Do the people in your life know that you live for more than what's right here? That the way you choose, act, live, the way you use your time, talents, and treasures point to the truth that Jesus is Lord of all. We're going to have a time of invitation. I want to pray right now, and then um, we'll invite you to respond um, to wherever Jesus is leading you this morning. Would you pray with me? Father, we ask right now that you would touch the hearts and minds of everyone in the room, that all of us would evaluate our lives in light of the kingdom and not in light of our own wishes or desires. Father, free us, free us by the power of the gospel to live open-handedly, to live for eternal treasures, and Father, to live treasuring Jesus. We ask all of this in Christ's name. Amen.